Hi, and thanks for checking out our City Reach Philly podcast from wherever you are listening. We hope you are encouraged by this week's message. I am so excited for this work. You don't even understand. I was getting ready for this word, and Pastor Wanda, she, she asked me if I wanted to go on some girls' errand today, and I was like, no. God has given me something so strong. I don't want to miss it. Oh, no. I want to continue connecting with this word because I know this word is going to set a lot of things straight in your life. And you need it for what is to come for this new season. You need this word. You cannot walk into the new season that God has prepared for you without receiving this word. This word is going to align you to God's purpose. It is going to show you what you've been doing wrong so that you can start doing it the way that God designed it to be done. And God is going to do something greater and bigger and all you are not prepared for it. Because God is always going to exceed your expectations. Can you praise the God for that? For always exceeding our expectations. He deserves it. We're going to go into John chapter 4, and we will be reading this from the New King's Version. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. Who is 
sitting in this place will open up their hearts for this word and that they may allow it to change them and that they may allow it to transform their way of thinking remove anything that serves as a distraction so that they cannot receive this word oh any distraction we cast it out in Jesus name and we declare the mind free the hearts free oh to receive this word in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When first they told me that we were going to be preaching in an English service called Worship Night, I loved it because there is no other subject other than the grace and the love of God and His power to save, to heal. And a lot of other subjects that I love as well. But this subject really calls to me because I was brought up in church. I grew up in church. I grew up in ministry. I grew up singing in the church choir. I knew what it was to wake up every Sunday morning with a song in my lips preparing myself for what God was going to do during the Sunday service and Bible school and all of that and, and it was great because it was such a beautiful experience so when we talk about worship it's one of my favorite subjects and I wish those that lead worship even the people that you know play the instruments the musicians I want you to pay attention to this because this word has the power to change a few things that maybe you interpreted in the wrong way. When we talk about worship, we usually mention this verse because it clearly states what God is demanding when it comes to worship. If we look for the standards of worship, there is no other verse that explains it better than the one we just read. But the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Oh, and something powerful about the being of God is revealed to us when it is stated, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship. In which form? Spirit. And truth. That is powerful right there. Yes. Worship means to honor. For those who are taking notes. Worship means to honor or reverence as a divine being or a supernatural power to regard with great and extravagant respect it means honor it means devotion and for me the best definition is it is love at its core when you worship someone and for me I don't know when people say I worship you, I get scared. <laughs> because I don't think they're 
that it is speaking about the spirit of man. Are you following? We are created and divided in three. Body, soul, spirit. A lot of people haven't been able to explain this. A few are confused. Others think they know. But I guess the best way for me to explain this without getting too theology or too like, you know, philosophical is to say that it's like a computer. The body of the computer is our body. The software of the computer is our soul. And the power circuit of the computer is the spirit. So the power circuit is that which makes the computer come to life. Without the power circuit, the computer is nothing. It cannot function. So when God speaks about the spirit of man, he is talking about the spirit of life. That which makes you a person, a living person, is your capacity, is your intellect, is your power. Are you here? So when God says, I want you to worship in spirit, he's telling you, I want you to worship me with everything you're on, with your capacity, with your intellect, with that which makes you alive. Are you following? What did God blow into men when he created them? The spirit of life. Are you here? So the spirit of man is the spirit of life. Are you here? So when God says, I want you to worship me in spirit, he's telling you, I want you to worship me with your life. Are you following? I want you to worship me with your life. Oh, did you get that? Are you confused? Say, say with me, God wants me to worship him with my life. He's saying the same thing I gave to you when you were but a puppet out of dirt. I want you to give back to me the spirit of life. That is what I am demanding. The same thing I gave you is what I want you to worship me with. Your life. Your life. Please tell me you're following. But then this gets even better. Are you ready? Hold yourself to something. Come on, hold yourself. Cause this is this is gonna hurt a little bit. Oh, come on, get ready. Hold yourself to something. I'm serious. He goes and says, "Wait, don't leave it in spirit. I want you to worship in spirit and in truth." Oh, Pastor Wanda, and when I was reading this, you know what the Holy Spirit told me? If I am demanded to be worshipped in truth, that means that there is a false way of worshipping me. Oh, I don't know if you're here today. I'm saying, if he is demanded to be worshipped in truth, it's because there are false people worshipping Shipping 
going to be able to finish this. If he's saying, I want to be worshiping true, what he's saying is, I don't want to be worshiped the way you think I should be worshiped. to be worshipped truly. The thing is that in the 21st century we have interpreted worship as in the thing you do. You're not here. For instance, we come to a service. We call it worship night. And you think that coming once a week or uh, I don't know how many times you have the English service two, twice a month Twice a month? Once a month. Okay. Even worse. So then you have a service and you call it worship night. And you come once a month to worship night. And you call that worship. But let me tell you something. Singing to God is not worship. Singing to God is an act of worship. Listen to this, you worshipers. You call yourself a worshiper. Singing to God is not for worship reading and titles. A lot of people sing and they're not worshiping. Sit, sit, please sit, sit, sit. A lot of people are singing. But they're not worshiping. I'm going deeper. You want me to go deeper? Say, prophetess, go deeper. Say, go deeper. Okay. You remember the, the woman of Samaria? Samaritan woman? Remember her Bible? Her problem wasn't that she was promiscuous and that she led a very uh, free and liberal life. Her problem was that she was confused. You see, when she had an encounter with Jesus, should I read this to them? I think I should. Let's go to the Bible. Come on. I don't want you to say that I made this up. Come on, let's go to John 4. Let's start from verse 5. Let's, let's, let's get into this story. You don't have to go home early, do you? Thank God. Do you have it? And you should write this scripture down or, I don't know, mark it or something so that you can study it at home. So says the word. Eventually... Verse 5, chapter 4 of John. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, okay? Okay. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sikar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. 8. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. 9. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. 
she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, you don't think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir. Oh, I love this verse. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again. And I don't have to come here to get water. Oh, it's going to get interesting. Go and get your husband. Jesus told her, I don't have a husband. The woman replied, Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Hennesim, which actually means this mountain where our ancestors worshiped? And you're like, okay, you read all that, but why, where are you getting to? You see, she did not merely have a spiritual problem. She had a worship problem. Well. Ask me why. Why? Because not knowing how or who to worship is equivalent to living a life in disorder. Oh, did you hear that? Not knowing who or how to worship is equivalent to living a life of disorder. Her problem was that she lived confused like all the Samaritans. And you know where it started? It started with a man that didn't understand worship. And you will be surprised when I say his name. Prepare yourself to be shocked. Are you ready? King Solomon. You're shocked, right? How dare you, ladies, say that King Solomon did not understand worship? He was the man that built the temple. The thing is that people have been confusing for years doing things for God as worship. Worship is not something you only do. Worship is a thing you are. A lot of people do a lot of things for God. But their hearts are not in the right place. Solomon built a temple. It was full of God. 
the man that did great things for God, like building his temple to David, that all he did was fight and fight and fight and go to more and more wars. Oh, when you go and put him out of balance, you will see that God prefers David because though David didn't build a temple, he lived a life of worship. Because the promise I made to your father. 
and the life of worship that man lived gave you the right to remain standing. Oh, you didn't get that. When you live a life of true worship, where everything you do is an act of worship, the way you are exalts the Lord, the way you speak exalts the Lord, the way you act exalts the Lord, the way you forgive exalts the Lord, the way you... Are you following? When you lead a life of worship, the generation that comes after you will benefit from it. When you really worship God with your life, you are preparing the way for the generation that is to come. God preserved Solomon because David knew how to worship. City Reach, do you want to prepare the way for the generation that is to come? Learn to worship. The title of this message is I Am Worship. And I even put the signal of number in front of it. We call it now hashtag. I wish I had made t-shirts. I Am Worship. Write it down in a piece of paper. Put it on your fridge. So that you may remember that everything you do must be called worship. Your life must be led in a way that always brings honor and glory to God's name. For instance, you may think your job is insignificant because all you do is work with a mop and a broom all day. But a true worshiper, everything he does, he does it with excellence. Because everything he does, he knows, is a form of worship. So even when he's mopping the floors of that business that's not his, he's doing it with the excellence. Because when you finish, you want the name of God to be glorified, even in the floors you just clean. Let me put this as an example. You want what God is all the way in heaven saying, oh, what is Francisco doing? When he looks down, oh, he goes, oh, he is mopping those floors like he wants everybody to know. He is my son, and everything he does, he does it for my glory. You can't say you're not allowed to say, not after this service, after this message, you're not allowed to say it. You're not allowed to say you're a worshiper. When you're acting with an ill manner, with rudeness, with a big mouth, with a bad temper, when you explode if things don't go your way, you think you're bringing honor to God's name? I'm going to teach you something that maybe you didn't know. Did you know there's a difference between worship and praise? Mm. Ask me, what's the difference? Praise actually means, the definition of praise means speaking well of. 
Oh my God, are you here? Teach. So, when you live a life of worship, people actually praise you. And they're not praising you because who's in you? The Spirit of God. And if the Spirit of God is in you, you are lifting up the testimony. You are bringing glory to His name because when you behave with a good conduct and you're responsible with your job and you do things right, people are going to say, He's responsible. She's always on time. She has her, her act together. She's proper. She always has a smile on her face. Oh, she got good manners. And you know what? She's Christian. All oh, those Christians in that church, oh, your life. So when you, you say you're a Christian and you don't act right, you're stealing God's praise. Can I repeat that? Without you getting mad at me, you, have, you better love me after this. Whenever you say you are a worshiper, you're a Christian, the eyes of the world are on you. <laughs> you haven't noticed it. The moment you said you were a Christian, everybody's expecting the best of you. And the moment you act wrong, they be like, aren't you a Christian? <laughs> are you here? Are you here? So, living a life of worship is worshiping in spirit. With that same life God gave you. Oh, and if he gave us life, why not give it back to him? Why not live a life that brings honor to him? Why not live a life that exhausts his name? You know, for so long, when I read this story about the Samaritan woman, and every time, you know, I read the part where Jesus said, bring your husband. And she said, no, I don't have one. And then he confronts her and goes, yeah, you spoke right because you actually have five. And even the one you have right now is not yours. But when I read the part where it says, well, I think you're a prophet. And I want you to ask me this. I always thought she was evading the whole thing, right? That's what you think. Like, oh, she brought that new the subject so that she can distract God from her life and her problems. But you know what? When I was reading it, attentively reading it today, I understood it in a different way. I understood that she was saying, okay, finally someone saw the real me. And finally I need somebody to answer that thing that I haven't understood for so long. Am I worshiping right? Because, you know, the problems with the Samaritans, and now you're going to understand her a little bit more because I'm going to give you her backstory or their backstory. The problems with the Samaritans was that when God got fed up with Solomon because he was done with him, he picked a guy. He wasn't even from the royal blood. He wasn't royal. He just picked a guy from Solomon's army and said, you know what, you, Jeroboam, I'm going to give you the ten kingdoms. Boom, here you go. Now you're the next king. Guess what? You have everything now. But I'm going to ask you something. 
Be faithful to me. Honor me. Respect me. Don't serve another God but me. Here's where we all fail. God gives us great things and then we start believing it. God gave us that great job and then we take God out of the picture. <laughs> Let me be a little bit more specific. You remember when you were praying for that job? Oh God, give me that job. Oh, God, give me that promotion. Oh, God, I ask, please, 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 God. And then God gives it to you. And now you don't even have time for God. Come on. So I told you, you have to love me after this. So, uh-huh. God gave this man who was nobody. He was literally a nobody. He gave them the kingdom. And he said, now the kingdom of Israel, the ten tribes, are yours. You need it. The only thing I ask is that you're faithful. That you don't worship other gods. And he was a nobody. Even when God told him through the prophet that he was going to be the new king, he even said, who am I to receive this? He acknowledged it. But when he was the king, uh, he started saying, and the Bible says he said this in his heart. You should read the Bible. He said this in his heart. He said, you know what? If I allow the people of Israel to go to Jerusalem, to the temple, to worship, they're going to rebel against me. And they will go with the king of Judea. King Rehoboam, they will go with them and they will either will unite with them, they'll fight against me, and then, no, I'm going to change the story. And you know what he did? He did an idol. He created an idol. And you know what he did? He went to the people of Israel and he said, Behold, people of Israel, here says the God that took you out of Egypt. Are you here? And the guy 
heaven fell for me and, and, and we did start to play. And suddenly, this guy started controlling me. This guy had self-esteem issues. He would see me preach and he would call me after the sermon and he'd be like, I don't understand why God uses you when I pray more than you. Oh yeah, he hears for that. He even made me question if it's true that God spoke to me. And then I was so desperate and I was like, God, what is this? He said, oh, you were asking for that. And I said, God, deliver me. And God told me, I will. And he freed me from that relationship, that toxic relationship. And now I see who he is right now. He's even away from God. He's not serving God no more. Imagine if I would have married that man. Where would I be? Not in Siri Beach right now. But praise God that he didn't answer that prayer. Oh, you need to start praising God for those prayers that were unanswered. Come on. You need to start praising God for those prayers he didn't hear. Those prayers he ignored so that he may preserve you. So that he may take care of you. So that he may save you from yourself. Sometimes we think we know better. Yes, Praise God. Let me finish this. So then, I close the story. Let's go on. So then, Jeroboam led the people of Israel against God. He diverted their heart from the real worship to false worship. And a lot of years passed and different kings came and went. And at the end, because a few kings came and, and did right, not quite right. And if you read the kings, you'll understand. And then something happened to Samaria. Because Samaria was the capital of the kingdom of Israel. And it's that Samaria got all mixed, mixed up. That's why the Jews wouldn't really have a good relationship with them. Because they were mixed. A lot of people from other nations came in with their false gods and their false worship and they would worship God but they are also worshiping other gods does that ring a bell a lot of people pastor God was telling me right in the office he was telling me a lot of people worship God but they're also worshiping other things like your child like that husband like that child Anything you put above God, you're worshiping. Mm, are you here? Nothing must be above God. Because everything you have comes from Him. So nothing can be above Him. God bless your children. God bless your husband. God bless your career. God bless your degree. God bless everything you have, your business. But nothing goes above God. Come on, say it. Nothing goes above God. Nothing goes above God. You may say, I have no idols. I only worship God. But everything you put before God becomes a form of worship. Amen. 
because you're giving it what? But are you giving it? Yes. Say, God, help us. Teach us to lead a life of worship. True worship. Worship in spirit and in truth. So when Jesus saw this woman, you have a problem. She didn't hide from it. She knew she had a problem. And she understood the core of her problem. She said, my problem is that I don't understand who and what it is that I'm supposed to worship. And Jesus understood and he said, woman, there comes a day. And the day is right now telling her, today you're going to learn to worship. Today, you learn to worship. Yes, Lord. Now you know that singing to God is an act of worship. When you read the Bible, it's also an act of worship. Prayer is also an act of worship. Everything that is done in this temple during the service, the first person that grabs the mic is doing an act of worship. You get it now? The Samaritan woman, when she heard that news, that she had to worship in spirit and in truth, you know what she did? She dropped everything. Oh, God. She dropped everything. And she ran. Because when the good news comes to you, when you hear the message, when you understand the way that you're supposed to worship, you act on it. She ran. She went to her people and she started worshiping. Oh, are you here? How did she start worshiping? She started preaching. She started leading. She said, I know someone that showed me how I'm supposed to worship. Let's go to him. Let's go to him. Let's run to him. you would drop everything and she dropped everything and you would run and you would start worshiping in spirit and in truth I want you to move this from here someone help me move this from here the altar is open for anyone that says today God I want to learn to worship with my life I want to surrender all I am. I want to learn to worship the way you intended me to worship. That everything I do becomes a form of worship. That everything I am becomes an act of worship. I want the worship team up here. Oh, come on, the altar is open. You may kneel, you may go on your knees. You and you go to God. Forget about me because this is not about me laying hands on you. This is about you acknowledging, as the Samaritan woman acknowledged, that she had a problem. She had a worship problem. She didn't know how to worship. She didn't know where to worship. 
old. That's why when she asked, where am I supposed to worship? In church only? He said, no. Because worship is not a thing you only do. Worship is a thing you are. So you worship while you're in your house. You worship while you're in your car. You worship while you're at your job. You worship in school. You worship everywhere you go. You are living worship. Confess to God. Say, I want to become living worship. That when you look upon me, God, you may be exalted. That when you look down at me, you may feel honored. That when you look down at me, you may feel loved. That when you look at my way of living, you may feel respected. That is what worship really means. I want to become worship. I want to live a life that exalts you, that worship you in a way that you that you deserve because you deserve it, God. You deserve it. Come on, tell him something. You deserve it, God. You deserve it. Come on, sing. Oh. 
have done with your life. You are going to be very attentive to everything you do. Not only when you're before someone. Not only when people can see you because it's easy to worship when people are looking at you. You need to learn to worship when no one is watching. When the doors are closed. When there's no one to see what you're doing on your computer. That is when you show that you're a true worshiper. When no one can see you. How do you act? Are you doing things that honor God? Are you doing things that bring glory to his name while you're on your phone? Will he still feel respected? Sing it now. You deserve it. Come on, sing it like you mean it. listening this week. We hope you enjoyed the message. Please subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you listen on. Have a blessed week.